Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop and welcome to episode 12 of Coffee and Contemplation with Women. Today I'm online with Lindy McKinley, a woman who is just, is just about to become 51, so a quinquagenarian, only a baby one though. Lindy is in the province Saskatchewan, we say that five times, as a province in Canada, and usually lives across two cities, one for work and one her home. Right now, Lindy is in lockdown in one of those city apartments away from her children. Very grateful for her FaceTime though, having had to um, be alone for uh, Mother's Day on Sunday. Lindy is a professor in nursing and holds a Masters of Nursing as well as a doctorate in integrated medicine. I first met Lindy in India, as I have met a few of the people you've heard so far. Lindy at the time was studying Ayurveda with the Kerala Ayurvedic Academy and before that she studied it with the Chopra Centre. Lindy specialises in mindfulness, meditation and Ayurvedic wellness. On the other side of Lindy's life is Lindy is a mum to three children, um, a daughter-in-law and has the new role of Nana added to her list in the last year with Paisley, 10 months old, lighting up her life. Uh, Lindy has said to me, we've spoken in the last few weeks, she's absolutely loving um, this moment of her life right now. So I invited Lindy because yeah, we, we sat on the bus like I did with other ladies in India and had a few moments of deep chat over our shared, um, the Scottish side of my family and that she comes from Scotland originally as well. Today is, just happens to be, International Nurses Day. And in my past business, we used to put on quite a big hoo-ha over International Nurses Day. And I thought it was actually quite fitting that I would get to chat with Lindy today, seeing that that is such a big part of her life. So happy International Nurses Day, Lindy, and welcome. Thank you, Sue. What a great day to be speaking with you. Yeah. So did, do you actually do much to celebrate International Nurses Day in Canada? Absolutely. In fact, I spent um, two hours this morning on a Zoom call, fancy that, <laughs> uh, with my nursing students. Ah. So uh, right now I teach fourth year nursing students. And uh, today we had a two hour celebration. Uh, we each brought our own cup of coffee and our own uh, treat. And we just talked about um, the history of nursing. So it's 200 years since Florence Nightingale blessed us with this profession of nursing. Oh, very special and, year. Uh, yeah, it's a very special year for us this year. So we had, a, we had a wonderful time talking about what Florence Nightingale means to us um, and what an amazing impact she still has on our profession. So it was, it's been a great day so far. Oh, that's good. And what, what does she mean to you? Well, interestingly enough, Florence Nightingale... Uh, always wanted to care for people um, and when she went into nursing uh, as we know it now um, she went in with the idea of bettering the outcomes for patients uh, and back then there was no such thing as a nurse um, gentlemen would go in and care for people women were not allowed into hospitals mm. um, and she was the one that marched up to a field hospital and said, here I am, let's make this better. Um, and so what Florence means to me is that 
powerful woman's roar of here I am, let's make this better. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's nice. It's funny. I, I don't think that we've ever in Australia really focused on what um, Florence Nightingale's message was. Um, I know we, we used to mention it lightly, but it wasn't something that we honed in. And so it's nice to hear. Very nice. Well, I'm, but again, I'm British. So of course she yeah. was English, which as a Scotswoman, I'll forgive her for being English, but <laughs> she, I mean, she was a very great part of our education because she's English, she's British, she's, she embodies nursing. Uh, so always a big part of our education. Did you do your nursing in Scotland or have you always been No, I did not actually. No, I took my nursing. I started my nursing here in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. When, um, when you were young, you know, I've had, I think, two other nurses so far on the podcast, Ray and uh, Linda Lee, and it surprised me when I asked them what did they want to be when they grew up, that they actually hadn't originally wanted to be nurses, and I had this vision that anyone who's a nurse would have wanted to have been a nurse all their life. Um, what was the case for you? You know, I don't ever remember not wanting to go into nursing. Mm -hmm. I... Um, as a very small child, I was burnt quite badly um, and spent uh, quite a long time in hospital. And the stories that I'm told by my mother and father were that I followed the nurses around even as a toddler. I was, I turned two in the hospital um, and I would follow the nurses around um, and help them. And my entire life I've wanted to be a nurse and, and I'm sure that had a huge impact having spent that time in hospital as such a young child. Um, I, I, I would play nurse. I grew up knowing I wanted to be a nurse. I've never ever wanted to be anything but, um, and, and it's been an amazing career. The interesting part is that I always thought that I would become a nurse and then just remain nursing, frontline nursing, hands-on and never do anything else. Um, and my career has gone so far beyond that, way beyond what I ever would have imagined. Mm. I started with a degree, and, and like I say, I literally thought I would stay frontline nursing hands-on. I worked ICU and OR, critical care nursing, loved it. And then I went on and got my master's in nursing, and then I went on and started exploring integrated medicine and ended up getting a doctorate in integrated medicine. And practicing in that field and exploring Ayurveda and mindfulness and meditation. And my world has just expanded that mm. uh, so far beyond where I thought it ever would. And it all came because of nursing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, and in your world of what you're doing in Ayurveda, that's um, you, you run retreats and what's it called? The Om Experience is your Facebook page. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. The Om Experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So you, you're still, you're, as you're just saying, you've been talking to your students in nursing, so you're still working in the nursing as well as uh, running this other side of you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So my, my income job, <laughs> is a, <laughs> I, I'm a professor of nursing. I teach uh, senior nursing students just before they write, sit for their registration exam. Okay. Uh, so I supervise their final practicums. Their final few months in education are with me. Um, and it's quite fantastic. I love that part of it. That's my income job. That's how I pay my bills. Um, how I feed my soul is the home experience. Okay. And that's where I get to expand 
and bring in things like mindfulness and meditation and Ayurvedic wellness and all those other pieces um, that fascinate me. It's mm. nice, isn't it, as we sort of um, we move through our decades to be open to, to bringing those new experiences in to make life richer. I, I find myself, I'm doing the same thing, that I'm just adding, but not going crazy with it, just adding bit by bit something that I know is a passion of what I want to, to be or do, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I do think part of that comes with age. We get a little braver and a little more open to yeah. those nuggets of knowledge. Hmm. Um, what would be, so in terms of nursing again, before we move on to other areas, in nursing, what would be one of the scariest things that ever happened to you um, in your nursing career? Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, <laughs> It was uh, when I very first uh, registered um, and I, I had, I was a fresh grad, less than six months out of school. Um, and I immediately started my career right into an ICU. So right into critical care nursing directly out of school. And six months in, I arrived on shift and I was the most senior nurse and I was going to be in charge that night. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, oh, there's no way this can't happen. But suck it up, buttercup. Here we go. And in the middle of the night, we had a full code, which is a very serious situation. Um, very sick patient, needed lots of hands on deck. And I remember thinking, standing in the middle of the unit, thinking, where is the nurse? And then thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, it's me. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I will never forget that feeling of, no, no, this can't happen. <laughs> How fast did that happen in your mind? It, you know, literally probably nanoseconds. Oh, wow. but, yeah. but it feels, it felt like it was minutes of panic. And I'm sure it happened all in a heartbeat. Um, and then you just sucked it up, buttercup, and carried on. And things turned out actually very, very well. Um, but that is a memory that is seared into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Yes, that's definitely sort of um, landing in and running at the same time, isn't it? Oh, my goodness me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, given, I think, when you, you mentioned with Florence how she was that sort of that, the picture to you of being a strong woman. And, like, I know, like, in, in your experience, like, you've had that, uh, you know, obviously you, you're a strong woman in terms of your experience and your knowledge and all the d diversity that you can actually offer to the world. Yet I know that you have um, talked to me before about experiencing um, anxiety. And I thought maybe we might just touch on that because I know we have other things, so it's a bit like you know, light and darkness, but um, this, in this space, I just thought often I find when someone says to me now that they're experiencing anxiety, there's a social media version of anxiety that's just getting bandied around. Yet I know for you, like, we had to take care in choosing the day that you and I could speak, that it was such a thing for you that we, you know, we need to respect that. Can you maybe just share what that's like as a strong woman who has to sometimes go, no, I'm not? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I was diagnosed with uh, an anxiety disorder. Uh, it'll, it's almost 10 years ago now. Um, and really how that all started was I had a, a bit of a traumatic event in my life. Um, and 
went into a series of panic attacks that escalated to the point of full-blown anxiety where uh, I couldn't be in a crowd. I couldn't be someplace I had never been before. I, if I did go into a room, um, I had to be along the wall because I couldn't have people around me. It, I mean, it got very severe. <clears throat> and that is true anxiety. Um, what gets bantered around on social media is, oh, I'm anxious or, oh, I'm a little uptight today. And I'm not belittling that. That, that is a true feeling for most people. But when you have an anxiety disorder, it really puts you in a position where physiologically, you, there are days you don't function well. Um, and so you're right. You and I had to discuss what day is a good day to do this. What day is a good day? Where am I at mentally? Um, right now, my mental health is very stable, but I do have days where um, I, I don't want to leave the safety of my bedroom because it's a safe place to be and I don't have to face the world. Um, and I've learned that that's okay. I can be a very strong and powerful woman and still need days in my bedroom with the door closed. Yeah. Those two things can coexist. Okay. Um, in that respect, so is there something that you would be able to share in terms of how other people um, address that with you? Like if you say to someone you're anxious, is there a way that you can um, have people sort of kindly manage how they approach that rather than just saying, I'll get over it. Um, you know, it's interesting when you, when you have an anxiety disorder, you tend to keep your circle uh, very small um, in that I don't have um, hundreds of friends. I have a half a dozen really good ones. Mm. Um, and the people who love and care for me the most understand that if I say it in any given moment, if I say, please come stand next to me, they know that that's exactly what I need in that moment. And they come stand next to me. And I can have great days like today where I'm laughing with you and having a great time. And, and I've, you know, the world is my oyster today. Um, tomorrow, I may not be able to order my own food at the drive-in because I just, I'm having a day. And so the people who love and care for me know that on days like that, they step in and help me. Okay. And sometimes that means just standing beside me. Sometimes that means ordering for me. Um, and sometimes that means just allowing me to retreat to the space that is safe for me and, and knowing that it's okay to take a step back and let me be. Okay. Is there um, something that you did to actually let the people that love and care for you know that how to actually do that with you because it's not something that naturally people would know how to do i think a lot of it is trial and error okay. um i have my my middle child suffers from anxiety as well um and her how we love and care for her is very different than how they love and care for me um so it, it is very much an individual journey and i think um on the bad days that's not the day to have the discussion it's the good days when you sit down and say, okay, now that we've come through that, that bad patch, let me explain to you what it is I needed in those moments. 
um, so that then when the next bad patch comes, you, you're better prepared. So knowing to have the conversations in the good times so that you prepare for the bad times. That's pretty much a gem of a tip, I think. That's, that's what I was <laughs> after. Okay, beautiful. Um, have you had any uh, serious health challenges apart from that or major life challenges? And how did you overcome or deal with those as you move through? each one. Wow. Wow. Sue, that's quite the loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too early for you to be having a wine. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me go pour a glass of red before we go there. Um, <laughs> it's only 8.30 in the morning here, so I can't join you. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I've ridden the roller coaster in my life for sure. Yeah. And I, I have to say that where I am right now at almost 51 is an amazing place. And I, I love my life right now. Um, and I have had people say to me, if you could change things in your past, would you? And my answer is no, because they all created who I am right now. But I've, uh, I've survived cancer very young. Um, I was 19 when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, which um, is very atypical. Ovarian cancer is usually menopausal women. Oh. I was 19 um, and quite ill. So uh, came through that um, and then unfortunately have survived some domestic violence in my history. Um, quite severe and quite um, uh, did a lot of damage to who I was as a person. It's taken me quite a while to rebuild who I am. Um, so that's just kind of two of the little bumps in my little roller coaster. Uh, but yeah, you know, life has been a roller coaster. But um, e even though there were parts of that roller coaster ride that I wanted desperately to get off, I'm really glad that I didn't because uh, today's a good day. Yeah, yeah. I know. And you have got a very beautiful smile on that face of yours right now. So <laughs> <laughs> very grateful to be seeing that. Um, so we've talked about nursing and we've talked about life so in terms of life when you're at the end of your life what would you like to have accomplished wow um i love that question um there is a great um and i don't even know if it's a quote but a great saying that that i i love and that's when i get to the end of my life i don't want to be in a body that's beautifully intact and and quaffed I want to slide into my casket sideways with a glass of wine in one hand, screaming, woohoo, what a ride. <laughs> That's what I want to have accomplished in life. I want to have embraced life fully and lived every moment and pulled every experience out of it I can. Wow. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So how are you facilitating that happening at 51 or 50? <laughs> I think I'm being a lot more open to say yes to things. So even this chat with you today, um, had you asked me to do this even a year ago, the initial no that my brain was screaming probably would have been my final answer. Okay. Um, but, I'm, but I'm teaching myself to go, yep, that's scary, do it anyway. Um, and, and yes, that does mean that sometimes I poke the anxiety bear and cause a reaction, but that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting when you actually, that, that fear, was it called 
false evidence appearing real, you know, like if mm-hmm. you can push through that and run towards it, it's, yeah, the, the thinking beforehand is often so scary compared to actually doing what the thing is that you needed to try because what can possibly go wrong? Like at least you tried. Absolutely. And sometimes the things that we're absolutely terrified of are the things that we enjoy the most and get the most um, life experience out of. So yeah. you mentioned our trip to India. That trip for me was terrifying. It was way outside my comfort zone. I was flying halfway around the world to meet 29 plus women I'd never met before in a country I'd never been to um, on this on this hopper experience that I had no idea even what I was getting myself into Um, and full on terrified to go. And I had moments inside that trip where the anxiety bear came up and bit me and pulled me back. But the vast majority of that trip was amazing. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I stepped into it. Yeah. Isn't it? I think, I mean, we all, the, the women that I've stayed in contact with had probably had similar thoughts about it that, you know, I don't know why we all found it. I mean, A, I'm in Australia and I managed to find this journey to the roots of Ayurveda. And then when I got there, I was like, oh my God, I'm the only person that doesn't know anyone. But I didn't know that you didn't know anyone. You know, that was Absolutely. my, that was my, I'm sitting there, there scared <laughs> to death saying, please someone invite me to their table. <laughs> <laughs> and I've definitely been invited to a lovely table is all I can say from having met you all. So yeah, it was pretty amazing that I, I stepped into that zone as well, I think. Um, so in terms of what you want your life to feel like and be like right now though, and you are someone who's very about mindfulness and presence, what's making your life feel really nourishing right now? You know, and it's the mindfulness. You just hit it right on the head right there is, is, um, having embraced mindfulness and meditation and Ayurvedic wellness, all those kind of pieces all fit together. Um, that is making me have a safety net in any moment because even when, and even when my anxiety rises, rises up, if I can pull myself into mindfulness, that means appreciating this moment right now, this one I'm in right here, not worrying about what just happened or what, what's about to happen, but right here. And that actually, number one, it makes my anxiety attacks um, much shorter than they used to be, much less severe than they used to be. It also shows me a path out of them very quickly because when you're in this moment, you can't help but be grateful because you're taking your next breath. Mm. I mean, your heart's beating, your lungs are working, you're in this moment. And so really mindfulness has become, it, it, it just, it's become my savior, really. I mean, that sounds like such a bizarre thing to say, but it really gets me through every moment of every day because this is the moment I'm in. And that's what mindfulness is all about. And I think there's something, I mean, we, we've heard the word, I think it was before I actually finished my old, I put my old business that it was about you know, trying to bring mindfulness into practice every day. But I think people were like, what's that mean? What's that mean? And I think their heads were still spinning with 
how can I be mindful? I don't even understand it. So you're sort of trying to think what mindfulness is while you're trying to be mindful. Is there, <laughs> is there um, say, would you have any like very simple, say three tips to how to actually bring yourself into mindfulness at any given time? Um, you know, absolutely. So one of the things I do when I'm teaching someone to meditate is teach them some mindfulness first. Um, and one of the most simple exercises that I do with someone is um, find some nature to be in. Uh, and I happen to live in two cities and, and I'm surrounded by buildings and roads. And so um, nature sometimes isn't easy to find. Uh, you may have to walk a few blocks or a few, you know, you, you might have to remove yourself from where you are and go someplace where you can touch some nature. Um, so we'll go into nature, sit on the grass, find yourself, you know, a chunk of grass where you can actually connect with the earth, close your eyes and, and yes, lots of thoughts are going to come in. Don't worry about them. Let them come and go, but just sit there and breathe. And that is the absolute simplest form of mindfulness there is. Um, you're sitting on earth, you're smelling the smells around you, you're hearing the sounds around you, your eyes are closed, that shuts off one sense that it's incredible how our vision creates thoughts. And so if you take the vision away, take yourself down to um, hearing and smell, mm -hmm. you can take yourself into that moment very simply and just sit there and breathe. Okay. That's mindfulness. Yes, you're not okay. planning, you're not planning supper. You're not worried about the bed you didn't make this morning. You're, you're right in that moment, listening to a bird, feeling the grass. You're in the moment. Yeah. So that's probably the most basic way to start exploring what mindfulness means. Okay. I just thought that would be good to share because I know like when I say talk to clients in coaching, um, I'll tell them, you know, to, you know, I'll ask them, you know, are you doing any sort of practice? Are you meditating? And so oh, I'd love you to teach me how to meditate. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't know whether the meditation seems like it's overwhelming in itself to even practice that. And it does take practice and not to beat yourself up that you're getting it wrong or you're thinking, but, um, you have to start with mindfulness before you meditate would be the step mm -hmm. at least, wouldn't it? And, and that's exactly where I start is. And actually, I, I know that I've had a few of my clients say to me, when are we going to get to meditation? <laughs> and it's like, when you can appreciate mindfulness, then we get to meditation. Yeah. So if that, takes three or, if that takes three or four sessions of us sitting on the grass listening to the birds, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I know there's, uh, there's that lovely is at Master Mahanti in, um, at Ayurveda Grand. And I remember they, was, they were telling me at some stage to stay in my room and do nothing. He said, oh, but by telling you to do nothing, that's doing something. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to long. do? <laughs> <laughs> How can I do nothing when I'm doing something and doing nothing? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we're coming close to the end. It was very, i tell you, 30 minutes goes so fast. Um, if you could travel to one place in the world this week with no limitations, where would you travel to and who would you take? Oh, wow. Um, uh, the cabin, absolutely hands down. Um, there is nothing quite like um, the fire roaring, the birds chirping, 
the stars overhead are amazing and just the absolute peace um that to me is heaven right there um the other answer that just rolled into my head was costa rica <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's because i'm not allowed on a plane right now <laughs> oh i know i know all that fun stuff of choosing places to go to it's just a bit quieter isn't it really yeah. <laughs> would you have answered that differently in back in january oh absolutely yeah. before before kind of this forced mindfulness <laughs> um i would have been on a plane to anywhere yeah i love to travel i've got the travel bug and so yes had you asked me that before we wound up into covid 19 quarantine and lockdown i would have been on a plane to a list of places um but but interestingly enough now um with life being much more simplified and us really embracing mindfulness because let's face it we really don't have a choice right now but to be uh. very mindful of every moment <laughs> um yes I, my number one on my list would be something as simple as the cabin okay yeah, this is, I'm looking forward to just going camping again. That would just be something simple. And I didn't even really want to go camping before, but suddenly I want to go camping. So. Yeah. Um, now, you sort of said what your favourite quote was, or is that have you got another favourite quote, apart from the diving into your coffin with a glass of wine at some stage? <laughs> and I don't, I, I'm not even sure that that's a quote, but it's one of my favourites, because I think to myself, whenever I get a little uptight with myself, and I should and I need to and I must... I think to myself, oh, no, let all that go. Grab a glass of wine and slide into that coffin sideways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so have you got a favourite quote or are we going to go on to favourite song? Oh, goodness. Um, you know what? I, you know, I'm drawing an absolute blank, Sue, of what my favourite quote is. I've got lots of them running through my head, but... Um, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm going to stick with the glass of wine. Okay. I reckon it's a good one. I think it's, I've got the picture of it. I think I'm going, going with that too. <laughs> <laughs> so more importantly, what is your favorite song and have you got any fond memories that it brings up for you? So my absolute favorite song is what's up by the four non blondes. And you know, that song has been with me, well, just about every stage of my life. Um, that song played when I was partying on the sandbar with my teenage friends. <laughs> that song played at my brother's wedding at his reception. Uh, he and I danced to it. Um, that song has been a get in your car and crank it up and cry yourself silly to get over something song. Um, yeah, that's it. What's up for non blondes Oh, wow. Yes, I, I love that song myself. I think I, I, I came across it the other week and you know, forwarded it off Spotify to my daughters. I thought, oh, it's such a good feeling to actually listen to. I'll share that. What I'm doing each week is I, I don't think I'm allowed to actually tap um, a song on to the end of the podcast because that would be copyright. But I'm just sharing it up in my story on um, Instagram so that people can actually find the song that each person comes up with because it is nice to actually feel it once they've actually connected with you through you being a guest today so I'll, I will do that fantastic and you and I can sing it out loud anyway so it's all good. <laughs> uh, Lindy so that's pretty much it we're, we're at the end of our, our chat 
and uh, I'm really yeah, thankful that you came on today. And how cool was it that it was International Nurses Day that we seemed to collide with how we made this around your storms and power outages and whether you felt <laughs> like having a chat. So I think, um, yeah, thank you so much. So is there anything else you'd like to finish on? or Just good? thank you very much. Thank you very much for reaching out and thank you very much for being patient with my need to work through to a yes. <laughs> I would have waited for a year, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. And everyone, if there's anything in particular that Lindy um, covered off on today, she said that she'd be more than happy to come back and talk at a deeper level, you know, maybe in relation to the nursing side or um, in relation to Costa Rica or how she's going to slide into a coffin sometime or in relation to how she um, has... Uh, brought this business together called the Ohm Experience and you know, that she's doing that lovely passion work as well as um, the work that has been with her since the very thought of who the hell she was going to be when she was a child. So, yeah, so as I said, Lindy's more than happy to talk as every other woman has said they would in the past. So thank you, everyone. And that's it for this episode and speak to you next week.